What's up everybody? Welcome into the Weston Peachtree Plaza Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, the Letterman Row crew is finally down in Atlanta for a playoff drive presented by Byers Auto, the Byers Auto Playoff Drive. That's the 40-year vet Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom uh, on site here in the Peach State for the Peach Bowl semifinal between Ohio State and, and Georgia. Uh, Ohio State offense took its turn speaking to the media today and then the Georgia defense. So a lot to break down, uh, Tim, and that's where we start. Uh, Mayan Williams scratch from the media list today. Uh, according to Chip Tranum was and feeling the buzz. The buzz was palpable through the room. Yeah, but according to Chip Tranum, he was just feeling. Mayan Williams was feeling just a little under the weather, so they sent another running back who's going to be available for them uh, at their disposal. I think they'll have Mayan Williams for this game. But we talked to Chip, who seems Tim to be pretty happy at running back, uh, not really thinking about linebacker anymore uh, as we stand here on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, Tuesday morning in cold Atlanta. Past everything that Chip talked about. Expressed and stuff. Imagine what's going through his mind that he came here to play linebacker from Arizona State. He's originally from Ohio, obviously. Ohio State recruited him as a linebacker part, and he went to Arizona State to play running back. Yep. Uh, he comes back here, and then when you hear Ryan Day talk about him, that he was, in essence, their best answer for what they wanted to do against Michigan at running back. You know, I'm not sure where he's, you know, where his mind really is right now, except that. <laughs> I think in his brain, I think once you play running back, it's hard to get that out of your system of being the guy toting the rock, being the guy responsible for the other 10 guys wherewithal. Yeah. You know, and, and I think he's embraced that. And uh, that's what stands out. And it's funny how the depth chart at running back has just like done this all year from who's available, who can play, who's 100%, who's even 90%. Now they feel like even with Travion Henderson missing this game, They've got some options there at running back, and Chip Trainum is definitely one of them. Yeah, Andy, and then beyond Chip Trainum, we talked to Mecca Ibuka and Marvin Harrison, two of the most confident guys in the room, unless they were in the room with the Georgia defense, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, they both appear pretty locked in on what they're going to do. Also talked to C.J. Stroud, but I think the main takeaways here uh, were what Marvin and Emeka had to say just in general about this matchup. Marvin repeated his same message. Yes, I've had a good season, but the goals as a team that we set out to accomplish, we have yet to accomplish. And he is dialed in just like that. Same with the Mecca. I was talking about their experiences last year in the Rose Bowl. That was when everyone kind of got to see firsthand what they could do as a duo. Now, the whole season, they're both 1,000 yard receivers. Obviously, Marvin was a Blitnikoff finalist, and Mecca had a great season of his own. And they have an opportunity to show really the whole world what they can do as, as a duo. Um, and just hearing about some of the Georgia players talk about how Emeka is a great route runner too. A lot of times the attention is on Marvin and what he can do in contested situations, making catches left and right, the highlight reel grabs. But Emeka is a guy that I think could have potential for a big game here just given yep. how much attention there is on Marvin. <coughs> yeah, Tim, it's, it's interesting to me because you, we talk to all of these guys and then, oh, by the way, the Heisman Trophy finalist, CJ Stroud, we got to talk to him too. Uh, you know, he's just kind of there at this point. Uh, everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows what he is. The Georgia defensive players were very complimentary of C.J. Stroud, talking about how good he is. Um, and this is a defense that's seen Bryce Young twice last year. They saw Bo Nix, who played at a high level all year. Will Levis, uh, who's for some reason projected to be a first-round pick. They, they played against Hendon Hooker and really shut him down. But you Spencer can... Rattler. Yeah, you can tell that they kind of like saying that. <laughs> you can tell that they kind of hold C.J. Stroud in a little bit of a higher regard, um, and C.J. appeared, uh, you know, obviously locked in. He's getting ready to play in the college football playoff, but uh, 
you know, even quieter than a normal C.J. Stroud today. I think he kind of understands what's at stake here. Yeah, yeah, subdued might be the best way of, of describing him. But, you know, I think he's got confidence from just speaking with him, a confident feeling about what maybe they have planned for this game, from what I can tell. And just, you know, I'm just telling people that uh, as, as the morning went along, just remembering last year before the Rose Bowl, I remember writing a story the day of the Rose Bowl for Letterman Row about how Jackson Smith and Jigba had to lead this group of young receivers into the Rose Bowl because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were going, had opted out of the game and stuff. And just funny how things have come 180 degrees from that to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka especially being just qualified, bona fide, big-time players now. Uh, that's got to have a settling feeling, give you a settling feeling to your quarterback, who, of course, hasn't been able to throw to Jackson Smith and Jigba pretty much all year, won't in this game, obviously. And uh, But uh, there's a confidence there um, that I think they seized on in the second half of that Rose Bowl from a passing standpoint, especially throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. that is carried through and is taken into the heights. The interesting thing is, as Marvin Harrison Jr. pointed out, this will be the first game he's ever played indoors in a dome. Same thing with C.J. Stroud. And I'm sitting there, both of them talking about that, and I'm sitting there surreptitiously thinking, well, that's because you didn't play in the Big Ten Championship game the last two years. Well, that's yeah. not very nice. I know exactly. <laughs> but the point being, this team, these guys all feel like they have something to prove, that they're not standing up on some uh, podium going, hey, how great we are. They've got, they know they've got to prove it from a national TV audience and definitely a frenzied crowd here on Saturday night. But that's, that's what stuck out to me is just how calm the demeanor was for Emeka Ibuka, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., and C.J. Stroud today. It's interesting, Tim, because the word of the day in the ballroom up there on the 10th floor seemed to be Monarch? Tem oh. tempo. Uh, Ohio State, everybody on the Ohio State side was asked about tempo. Paris Johnson was asked about it. Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka, Chip Trainum even a little bit. CJ Stroud definitely, and then we talked to offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson, uh, or Tulsa head coach Kevin Wilson, sorry. Ohio State offensive coordinator, I don't know what to call him at yeah, this somebody point. Somebody was pursuing that angle, that's but, why you heard that. But it was, it was just about everybody asking those questions about, is it worth going tempo? Because everyone remembers the Sugar Bowl against Clemson where you know, this Clemson defense was supposed to be very good, and Ohio State used tempo as its friend. Well, you look at what Tennessee did against against Georgia. You look at what Alabama has tried to do the last couple times. They've matched up, uh, you know, a couple other opponents that Georgia's faced. Tempo, it's got mixed results. It can, it can really, really that. backfire on yeah. you if you use it incorrectly. But, Andy, that is, that is such a huge angle of this is, is Ohio State going to use tempo? The problem is... We've just talked to the Ohio State offensive players. We're not going to see whether it works. We didn't get really many answers about if they're going to do it, and then we're not going to know if they're going to do it until Saturday night when our coverage here in Atlanta almost wraps up. I think you'll see it. I just I don't think it's going to be the whole game. I think Ryan Day talks about you got to pick your spots. you got to use it at certain times. Otherwise, it's not much of a weapon. If they know what's coming, it doesn't really catch them off guard at a certain point. So, yeah, I think we'll see it. I don't think it's going to be the whole game. They're going to be running 90 plays. And I think also against Georgia, you got to control the clock a little bit too. Like you got to be physical with them. Not that they're going to run up and down the field and score a ton of points, but you want to control possessions. You want to make them sweat it. You, you yeah. can't give them a lead if you – play up tempo from the start and you go three and out back-to-back -back drives to start they score two touchdowns now you're down 14 nothing and that's where Georgia loves to be you know, they, yeah they love to play with the lead so I think it's a they'll use up tempo offense for sure but I don't I don't anticipate it to be the whole game plan yeah so think about I, up tempo and uh and Ohio State can go to that 
there's a difference between me between having a play, hurrying up the line, and then waiting for the play call. You know, I mean, uh, where Ohio State, I think, has been at its best on occasion has been playing up-tempo like it's a two-minute offense. Yeah. Like, you're getting after Even it. Even a four, Tim. And the other thing, the, the other thing about it is, is you want – like like uh, Andy pointed out, you want to wear, you want to beat on this on this Georgia front, if you can. Meaning, make them play a bunch of plays in a row, wear them out to a certain extent, because they're human, they're violent. I was going to say violent as hell, but that's a little bit over the top. They're extremely violent the way Georgia's front seven, especially their front four, like to play. You want to, but you can wear wear on those guys. To wear them out may not be the right term. Jalen Carter and these guys, Zion Logue. Uh, Zion Logue is a load, you know, at that middle guard nose tackle position. Uh, but you, you definitely want to make them play after play after play if you can and sort of like – because that is the strength of their defense. I know they cover well. Uh, I know the Ringo kid is big time. He's going to be a first-round draft pick probably at one of the corner spots. But you just want to make them play – play after play and worry on them a little bit. And I think Ohio State has that capability. But like we saw in the third quarter against Michigan, not if you don't convert on third downs, not if you have stupid penalties right on down the line, which sometimes when you're trying to play a hurry up, you can you can shoot yourself in the foot. And that's the thing, Ohio State, you know, whether they've got that figured out, like you said, we won't know until we're standing here at midnight on Saturday night on whether they've corrected some of those wrongs that they had in the second half against Michigan when they scored three points. You got to score more than three points in the second half, as Kevin Wilson pointed out. You got to figure you got to get into the 30s to win a game like this. Absolutely, Tim. And I, I think that's as we pivot here on uh, the Byers Auto playoff drive. Uh, the Georgia defense thrives when teams go tempo on it uh, in certain scenarios. Uh, you know, they, I talked. We talked to uh, uh, Jamon. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Jamon uh, Johnson. Jamon Dumas Johnson, yeah. sorry, excuse me. Uh, and he said that they were playing against Oregon and Oregon tried to go tempo in the third quarter and Georgia's defenders were out there for five, six, seven plays at a time and they look across the line and the team that's supposed to be wearing them out is worn out. Is worn out because Oregon's offensive line has to guard those, has to defend those guys every single play and block them from getting to, to the quarterback. That can wear on an offense. And so this Georgia defense thrives on being violent, being fast, being physical, but also being durable and being able to, yeah, they roll deep, but if they don't have the chance to roll deep, they're out there for a few plays and they don't really care. But they're still going to try to kick your tail. Did you got watch them against Missouri when Missouri has some extended drives? They looked human. They, they, oh, yeah. They looked yeah. human against Missouri. That's the point, you know, and you're exactly right. The point about it is we can talk hurry up, we can talk tempo, whatever you want to call it all the time. You still got to execute it. I know, I know. That's a coaching term. But if you go tempo and you don't execute, You've run three plays in about 30 seconds, and they've got the ball back. You yeah, know? that's the one thing you can't do, as Andy was talking about. You gotta, you gotta make the most of your opportunities in a game like this, and that will be so key on Saturday night. Yeah, Paris Johnson talked about how you know if you tell an offensive lineman this game's gonna come down to physicality, that's the best thing you want to hear as an offensive lineman. They're embracing the fact they need to be physical. They're embracing the fact that they, if they have any chance in this game, they're gonna have to get push up front on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And they're gonna have to at least put up a very good fight in the line of scrimmage. And they know that. So you can get kind of cute with up tempo, and I think they will at times. I think that's a strategy that will be employed four minute offense, two minute offense. They have that in their but arsenal. For sure, yeah. for sure. But I think that ultimately this is gonna come down to the line of scrimmage. Are they gonna actually have a fight against this Georgia team? And yes, as you mentioned, it's hard to roll guys in with the up-tempo offense, but you know, when you switch from series to series, Georgia can run, they're too deep 
is really all starters. Yeah. Especially on that defensive line. Paris Johnson even mentioned that. He said their twos are pretty much just as good as their ones. Yeah. And I know Jalen Carter, that's all the headlines, but all those guys up front there are quite menacing. And that's not to say that Ohio State's offensive line can't go toe-to-toe because that's a ton of NFL talent on Ohio State's side. So I think that's ultimately where this game comes down to. Here's the thing. Ohio State did a really good job on the offensive line against Michigan. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. I thought Ohio State blocked Michigan well, uh, especially in pass protection. I think at the end of the game there, C.J. Stroud was under a little duress because everyone, there were 110,000 people who all knew Ohio State was going to throw the ball. But if you're maintaining a balanced offense like Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson, C.J. Stroud, all those guys want, you're going to be able to block. I I know that Georgia's really talented, but... I mean, Donovan Jackson, you hate to lean back on recruiting rankings, but in a game like this, that's what it really is. Yes. It's five stars against five stars. Donovan Jackson, Paris Johnson, uh, Dewan Jones has developed into one. Uh, you know, Matthew Jones was, the number tw- I think, the number one overall uh, interior offensive lineman in the country for his class. Luke Whipler was an extremely talented player out of New Jersey. Well, it's not like Ohio State's got uh, two and three stars. They're not, you know, Georgia's not playing Ohio. They're playing Ohio State. Yeah. And there's five stars across the board on both of these rosters. You're and an so, Ohio alum, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, you know, so maybe yeah. maybe we'll get some five stars in Athens. But here's the thing, Tim. Like, Ohio State can match up against these guys. I don't think that that's a question. It's, it, but. I think it more comes down to not physicality, but again, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson said it best. It takes physicality no matter who you are to play football. Everyone that plays the sport of football yeah. is physical. Yeah. It takes a different kind of person to be violent. I don't think Ohio State has to match Georgia's physicality. I think Ohio State has to match Georgia's violence. Missouri, when Georgia looked like they didn't want to be in Columbia, matched Georgia's violence up front and were able to block them. Kentucky matched Georgia's violence up front because it didn't look like Georgia was interested in playing that game. Yeah. You know who didn't match that violence? Uh, Auburn this year. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee this year did not match that violence. They still tried to throw it over the top. Well, they didn't match it early. Oregon, and, 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 and Oregon Georgia didn't. got these big punches in early, and then Tennessee couldn't come back. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they tried, but, yeah, you're exactly right. And the bottom line is, like, Jamon uh, – Dumas Johnson pointed out, he goes, he's, he feels pretty good about what this Georgia team has done the last several years because in this age of offense, 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 he feels like they brought the discussion about defense and what de- what difference a defense can make in a game back to the four. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And uh, he's exactly right because when you think about this Georgia team, you almost give second thoughts to their offense. You really do, except for the two tight ends. They've got a a former walk-on quarterback who was in a Heisman Trophy finalist this year who had to prove himself over and over and over again. Meanwhile, Ohio State's got this guy from Rancho Cucamonga who several got, several teams wanted, was big time, and has been a Heisman Trophy finalist two years in a row. You understand? But So you're looking at what – and you're also looking at what did this these teams just do, right? Ohio State lost its rival game. Uh, Georgia won the Southeastern Conference Championship game in fairly dominant fashion over LSU. That's what you remember most. But like you just pointed out a minute ago, once you put the big fans on and you blow the smoke away from that Ohio State-Michigan game, uh, you saw all these good things that Ohio State did, but what did they not do? Score. They didn't finish. They didn't finish uh, in the red zone. They kicked field goals. And of course, in the second half, they only scored three points. They had a chance at a touchdown there that would have changed that game and the ball you know, got knocked out of Kate Stover's hands. But the bottom line was they didn't finish. And that's what they've got to do. And that's what Kevin Wilson was talking about. you got to feel like you've got to get into the 35, 38, 40 range to win a game like this because these are two really good defenses. 
But these offenses are going to leave nothing, nothing to imagine about what they can bring to the fore if, in fact, they're given that opportunity. And that, that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Two, two heavyweights, a little bit different styles, but going to come in there and just throw everything they got at each other. And it was kind of fun to talk to Chris Smith about Marvin Harrison Jr., about Emeka Buka, <clears throat> excuse me, about Emeka Buka, about these wide receivers, just because he knows, you know, this is the best wide receiver room in the country. I think Georgia is, as Tim likes to say, champing at the bit to get to face these receivers because it's such a fun matchup. And, and I think that's something we're going to be tracking all week. But talking to Chris Smith was a lot of fun because you could see the glow in his eyes when he gets to talk about, you know, facing these receivers, how good they are. He, they, they, I'll put it this way. Georgia's very confident up front because they're the Georgia front. But you can tell that that secondary knows that it has its handful against Ohio State's wide receivers. And I think that's a good thing if you're Ohio State, knowing that, hey, Georgia sees it too. Yeah, and they want to bounce back after the game they had against LSU. Everyone's yeah. talking about how they gave up 502 passing yards. One thing that Kevin Wilson brought up, though, is that, yeah, they threw for that many yards, but they lost the game, and it wasn't particularly close either. Yeah. Looked yeah. So that's something that people are pointing to. Oh, well, wait, what do you do when you're behind? You throw the hell out of the ball, right? The ball. Yeah. Right. So, like, that's what goes back to the beginning of this conversation about getting down early, having to throw. And being one-dimensional, yes, it worked, but they didn't win that game. They also gave up 50 points. It's, it's one of those things where it's not going to be that simple. Of, oh, test their defensive backs. Yeah, Ohio State might have the edge. They, I think they do on the perimeter with their playmakers. But that's not going to win them the game alone. Yeah. they got to control the front. Otherwise, they're not going to have any chance. They're going to try to bring pressure on C.J. Stroud, and they could very well succeed if there's no balance there. That's what Michigan did in the second half. As Spencer said, everyone in that stadium knew they were going to be pressuring C.J. Stroud because they were pinning their ears back. Ohio State was throwing every down. If that happens again in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. The beginning of that game is going to be very, very important to set the tone, to be able to run the ball a little bit, to at least open up space between the safeties and linebackers so you can throw the ball downfield. As both of you guys have pointed out, Ohio State is not, is not outclassed in this game. What, you know, all that that means. It's going to be come down to whether they outperform or or are outperformed in this game. It's definitely because I mean it's been crazy. I even asked Marvin Harrison Jr. this earlier in the year. It's crazy how on one series, bing bang bong touchdown for Ohio State. Even saw it against Michigan. Uh big you know, run those plays again. You know what I mean? I mean, why does why does it click so cool one possession and then you try something a little bit different the next and you get out, you know, whatever's working Go for it, you know, and that, that would be my encouragement to this team. You got to throw the ball down the field against Georgia. We could talk about them, you know, uh, uh, being way up, well ahead against uh, Louisiana State, and then Louisiana State happened with their backup quarterback, Nussmeyer, who basically is a pretty good player. Calling him the backup's kind of weird, but, but the bottom line is they had success throwing the ball down the field. So did Missouri. Missouri's an average. Average team this year. Missouri threw the ball down the field on Georgia. Not every play, not not every down. They had some success moving the ball. You know, you hit them where they ain't, or where there's fewer of them. And that, and Ohio State has that capability as much, if not more, than anybody in the country. And you got to play to your strength. Absolutely, Tim. Uh, and I'm I think sorry I got all fired up there. No, that's fine. It's it's day one of, of full coverage uh, from Atlanta for Letterman Row. Your temperate shouldn't get too fired up too fast. No, you're just setting the bar pretty high, Tim. Tomorrow you've got to match it with the defensive no, intensity for Ohio State. I'll match it. 
Tomorrow we'll get to talk to Ohio State's defenders, Georgia's offensive players. Uh, should be really fun to get, get some insight on that because Ohio State's got to have a bounce-back effort on the defensive end. We obviously didn't talk about that because today was all about the Ohio State offense and the Georgia defense. It's Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day against Kurt B. Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, all of those very talented coaches on both sides, and then the talent on the field. And that's... That's where this game's going to be won. I think Ohio State will be able to do things defensively against Georgia's offense. Can the Ohio State offense maximize itself to a version that we have not seen this year at all to, to against the best defense that they will see even if they win this game and get to the national championship game? There's not a defense in the country better. Uh, we're here. The, closest, the closest thing Georgia's defense has seen to Ohio State is Tennessee. But like the Georgia players and the Ohio State players pointed out, they don't exactly – mirror each other, Tennessee and Ohio State offensively no. and stuff, the way Tennessee just kind of like, you know, lets it all hang out to a certain extent. Uh, that That's the interesting thing. This is definitely a curious uh, challenge for the Georgia defense, unlike anything it's really seen this year. Just like Ohio State going against this defense of Georgia, it's the best defense they faced. Michigan's pretty good, but, you know, we thought Wisconsin was pretty good. Ohio State decimated Wisconsin, but uh, that's the challenges here. We were talking to the two units that I think today that are really going to set the tone because, uh, you know, uh, I, I just think the next the next Ohio State's defense against their offense, that that's curious, but this is Ohio State's got to score points and get it done, and that this is the matchup that's really going to tell the tale. Just a few more days until Ohio State attempts to score some points on Georgia. Uh, the 40-year vet, Tim May, he'll be hanging out with me in Atlanta all week, as will Andy Backstrom. By the way, you can't win a game if you don't score points, so that was kind of a stupid <laughs> statement. I'm just Spencer Holbrook. As we wrap up the Byers Auto playoff drive, we are going to get this thing online, write full coverage, full stories uh, at lettermanrow.com as we inch toward Ohio State and Georgia in a cold Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I hope it warms up by the end of the week. We might get some nice weather. Uh, hope everybody's staying warm in Ohio. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. It was a, a good holiday before we all hit the road to come down here. Uh, some of us flew. Some of us didn't get to fly. Some of us some planned of us, on driving. Some of us tried to fly, got canceled. Some of us have a, a sore throat from uh, playing car karaoke all night, driving by myself to Atlanta. But that's a video for a different time, Tim. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see that one. But again, 40-year vet Tim May, Andy Backstrom, I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching the first Buyers Auto Playoff Drive. Stay tuned for full coverage at LettermanRoad.com. You can get the full coverage, $10 till next August. That's a hell of a deal. Uh, but we'll be there hanging out in the Letterman Lounge message board as well. We will see you in Atlanta tomorrow for full coverage of Ohio State, Georgia in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl.